Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. Everybody together, please. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper and be in health and be in health just as your soul prospers. Let's get that, all right? It's very, very important. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. One more time. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things. How many things? In all things. Somebody say, in all things. And be in health just as your soul prospers. Praise God. You may be seated this morning. Uh, if you uh, know uh, a little bit about the Bible, you may be seated. Uh, if you know anything about the Bible, you know that from Romans to Revelation, all these letters, all that scripture is directed to, uh, toward believers. So what we just read this morning is a scripture directed to believers. Uh, this is why uh, 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 John, the Apostle John, he mentions the word soul. Now, if we, if we understand uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 28, the Bible says that we were made in the image of God. We were made in His, uh, his likeness. So uh, when we read that, we say, well, how in the world did God make us? Most of the time, we think that we're just a body, and all of our emphasis is on the body, and we look at the body every day, and we think that's uh, the extent of our being and our creation. But if we look at, uh, in the New Testament, the Bible says that God made a spirit. Now, uh, listen real carefully, because this is very important. He made a spirit, and he made a soul, uh, and uh, we possess a soul, and we live in a body. One more time. We are a spirit. Say that with me. We are a spirit, we possess a soul, and we live in a body. So the Bible, in the order of importance, gave us spirit, soul, and body. Does everybody understand that? So we were made in the likeness and in the image of God, spirit, soul, and body. Now, it's understood that John uh, left out the word spirit. And he only mentions the soul because it's understood that he's talking to believers. And if you're talking to true believers, that means that the area of the spirit has already been taken care of. Does everybody understand that? So the spirit is the part of you that is born again. So uh, John doesn't have to talk to the believers about being born again. But the most important emphasis, listen real carefully. The most important subject, the most important emphasis, your main focus as a believer is your soul. Does everybody understand that? Now, for an unbeliever, it wouldn't be your main focus. So if there's a, an unbeliever here this morning or somebody's hearing me, you say, I'm not, a, I'm not a Christian. I've gone to church, and, you know, going to church doesn't make you a born-again person. You have to be born again. So... Uh, uh, the soul uh, wouldn't even make sense to you, what I'm going to share with you this morning. But the spirit would be your most important focus. You have to be born again. Now, the, what we're going to uh, 
because God made us eternal beings. Everybody, by, the, uh, by, uh, by you being born into this world, you're going to live forever. All the little children that were born, uh, aborted, million, one point some million. We may, uh, they've made such a big deal about the corona. Uh, in the future, in history, will prove and reveal how much fraud there's been with the corona. So, uh, but uh, for us as believers, we know that all things work together for good, right? How many of you know that we're blessed, right? We're blessed regardless of corona or whatever virus comes or whatever problem comes. So for us as believers, our main focus and our main emphasis is the, that part of us which is the soul. Now, the inward part of us, listen real carefully, it's spirit and soul. That's the part of you that's going to live forever. Your body, uh, one of these days when you leave this world, they're going to throw you in a hole that the body is. But you, your spirit goes to be with the Lord forever. So that's the important part. So once the spirit is taken care of and you're born again, then the focus is the soul part. So this is why John once again said, and I want you to say it with me out loud, Beloved, I pray that you may what? That you may prosper in how many things? In all things. Not one thing. Every aspect of your life that you may prosper in everything and be in health just as your soul prospereth. In other words, John is saying this. Uh, the condition of your life, your present, your future, your destiny, every aspect of your life is contingent on the, uh, on the health of your soul. So as a man thinketh, that's what he's going to be. So whatever condition your soul's in, listen real carefully, that's, uh, that's where you're going to be all the rest of your life. If your soul prospers and if it moves to, as, as uh, uh, Paul reveals it, from glory to glory, uh, we don't stand still. You're moving at all times. So in your Christian life, if you're the same like you were two years ago, five years ago, something wrong with that picture. You got to go from glory to glory. You got to be bettering yourself. Some people say, well, I got saved five or 20 years ago, but you know, they're the same people. No, you have to go from glory to glory, from faith to faith, to triumph to triumph. You're always uh, 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 bettering yourself. And as you increase in your life, it's because of your soul. And as your soul uh, prospers, then every area of your life is going to prosper. Does everybody understand that? So everything is contingent upon the condition of your soul. So some people are wondering, we say, well, we need a better governor. Well, we probably do, you know, but we need to pray for her, right? But, uh, and, and people say, we need this and this. But you see, exterior things will have very little effect on your life, no matter who's the governor. Well, uh, what's going to affect your life is the condition of your inside man. So this is what's got to improve. So you worry and say, well, you know, people make all kinds of, if this would change, then this would change. If I could get a better job, a better job wouldn't help you. If I could live in a better house, all those are exterior things. And they'll help you to a certain degree, but they're not going to help you until you take care of the inside man. Once again, John said, beloved, 
I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Can you say amen? So God made us spirit, soul, and body, and the soul is not your spirit, and your spirit is not your soul. So uh, the most important thing, and let me uh, dwell on this just for a moment, the, uh, the most important thing in our life is our spirit man. He must be born again. That's the beginning of a beautiful life when you get saved. This is why Jesus said this in John chapter 3, verse 3 and verse 7. Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot. That's Jesus speaking. He said he cannot see the kingdom of God. Do not marvel, verse 7, do not marvel that I said to you, you must, somebody say that with me, you must be born again. Now, that must be important for Jesus himself to say you must be born again. In other words, no option. You say, well, I'm uh, this, this sort of religion. I'm this, I go to church. Well, uh, uh, all that's good, but you must be born again. You see, that is very, very important. And why uh, uh, does a person have to be born again? We use the word saved, but you have to be born again. Why? Because on the day of judgment, how many of you know there's going to be a day of judgment? There's going to be a day of judgment. There's enough evidence, there's enough evidence that all of us are guilty. Does everybody understand that? There's enough evidence that everybody's guilty. This is why we have to. And Jesus said, you must be born again. You have to be. There's no option. You have to be born again because we're all guilty on the day of judgment. On, the, on judgment day, everybody's guilty unless they're born again. Now, uh, let me, because I'm going to teach you three scriptures, three main scriptures this morning. And if you'll understand that, you'll walk out of here. You'll always be blessed. You'll never have fear in your life again. All right? Once you understand these scriptures. Now, how many of you, since day one in your life, how many of you have ever lied? Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you've lied uh, since day one in your life. Did, raise it again. Let's see. Raise and some of you that didn't raise your hand, you're liars. <laughs> you're lying, right? You're lying. So, uh, everybody, raise your hand. You're, uh, we've all lied, right? That's right. And some of you say, I lie every day. You see, uh, people lie, right? How many of you ever taken something that, uh, that has not been yours? How many of you stolen something? Let's see, raise your hand if you've stolen something. You've stolen something, okay. Maybe a paper clip, but you stole it, right? <laughs> right? You stole something. So how many of you, uh, well, I'm not going to have you raise your hand, but how many of you have committed adultery? Hmm? Well, you say, well, uh, I haven't. But look what Jesus said. You have heard uh, that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whosoever looks at a woman to lust after her, or a man, has already committed adultery with her in his, in his heart. You've already committed adultery. So if I asked you to raise your hand, all of you would have to raise your hand. Because you've already committed adultery in your heart. So by our own admission this morning, we are 
a group of people this morning were liars, thieves, and adulterers, right? By our own admission. You're a liar and a thief and an adulterer. We're guilty. Can you say amen? So look at uh, James 2.10. This is why we have to get saved. Very important. James 2.10, he says, For the person who keeps all the laws. And in the Old Testament, there's 613 laws. 613 laws that we have to keep, or that the Jewish people had to keep. He said, For the person who keeps all the laws, except one, except one, is as uh, except one is as guilty as a person who has broken all of God's laws. So if you kept all the laws except one, God says you're guilty of all of them. You're guilty of all 613 laws you've broken. God sees you as a person that is guilty of all the laws. Does everybody understand that? So let's go to uh, Romans chapter 3 now. And he says, for everyone has sinned. Wow, everybody? Yes, that's me, and that's you. We have all sinned. We have all fallen short of, the, of God's glorious standard. Yet God in His grace freely makes us right in His sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when He freed us from the penalty of our, of our sins. Did everybody get that? So, once again... When we talk about being saved, listen to me. When we talk about being saved, it's not an option. It's not you say, well, I go to church. I, I, I go to church sometime. We're not talking about that. We're talking about being born again. Because if you've broken one law, and we have, by our own admission, this morning, we're all, we've all sinned. And on judgment day, God has no op- option but to cast you into hell. Just by breaking one law. He's a just God. If you break one law, you are, he, uh, he has no option, no recourse, but to send you to hell. He's a just God. Does everybody understand that? This is why we have to give our lives to the Lord. So uh, then he talks about murder. How many, hopefully nobody's ever murdered anybody here. But uh, you have heard that our ancestors were told you, uh, you must not murder. Uh, if you commit murder, you're subject to judgment. But I say to you, if you're even angry with someone, you're subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. That's what Jesus said. That's Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 through 22. So that is awful, right? So uh, what can we do now? We're all guilty. What can we do? What should we do? Well, you say, well, we, can, we have to repent, Pastor. And repent, you know what repent is, right? Uh, you're going in one direction, you drop all your junk, uh, 180 degrees, and you go the other direction. But repenting is not enough. Now, if we'll transfer that to a, a, a criminal court, uh, you can, and, you know, you, you committed premeditated murder. Let's say, an example, uh, you can't walk in the court and tell the judge, I'm sorry, thank you, I'm going home free. No, you ought to be sorry. But because you've committed a crime, the, ju- uh, the judge has to obey the law and he has to 
sentence you to either life in prison or uh, the electric chair. Does everybody understand that? So uh, being sorry is not enough. So repentance won't save anybody. Just saying sorry will not save anybody in a criminal court. Uh, no. And it will not save you on, on, on judgment day. You say, I'm sorry I did that, God. Okay? God is a just God. In other words, we're all in trouble. All of humanity is in trouble because we're all thieves. And we've uh, just of the three or four laws, we've actually broken all the laws, all the Ten Commandments. So God can only legally commute our death sentence. The only way he can do that if we accept Jesus as our personal Savior. Does everybody understand that? In other words, somebody has to die, somebody has to shed his blood, and, and God is, is, will ask you, is Jesus Lord of your life? Did you make him Lord? Because it's life for life, uh, so that you can walk free on judgment day. He said, no, I've accepted Jesus. He is the Lamb of God. I've accepted Him. I've made Him Lord and, and Savior of my life. When you've done that, then you can walk out of that courtroom free because someone has paid the price for you. How many of you know that we should be very thankful this morning? Let's stand up and let's give the Lord a mighty praise offering this morning. Come on. Let's just thank the Lord. Yes. Yes. Praise God. Come on, let's give him a bigger praise offering. Hallelujah. We're free. Wow. That is powerful. I want you to uh, sit down for, uh, take your seat, but listen real carefully. We are now in the amnesty uh, time of God. Amnesty. You know what amnesty means? It means that uh, no questions asked, everything is forgivable. No questions asked. And God did all that through Jesus. He said he's going to pay. He paid for your sins so that you can walk away free. We've all broken the law of God. We're all sinners. You can't escape judgment day. You're going there. And if you don't have Jesus... You'll be cast into the lake of fire, and the judge can't do anything uh, uh, with you except slam the gavel and say you're guilty. Take him away. Cast him into a lake of fire. There is, uh, there is no other recourse. Do you understand that? So we are in the amnesty program of God. It's about the end. Does everybody understand that? The amnesty program is about the end. When Jesus comes, it's all over. People have to come in now. Or there will be no, no, uh, no chance for you. Uh, there's no other way to, uh, to escape. But I love what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 19 and 20, 21. He said, that is, that God was in who? In Christ, reconciling the world to himself. And then he uses this in New King James, not imputing. Another, another version says, not taking into account. God's not taking into account their trespasses. This is the amnesty program of God. This is the amnesty time of God. He said everything is forgivable. No questions asked. You say, well, I've committed this. I said, uh, I'm not taking into account these sins that you've committed. 
I've lied a million times. I'm not taking into account of that. I've stolen. I've committed adultery. I've killed somebody. I'm not uh, uh, taking, into, uh, uh, taking into account any of those sins. You can be forgiven right now. And he said there, uh, he's not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. And here's the very powerful scripture that we must never forget. Verse 21, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. And he made Jesus, made him who knew no sin to be sin. He made him to be sin. He's the guilty one. He said, I'm, I'll be the guilty one. I'll take uh, all the sins of the world so that they can walk away free. Does everybody understand that? So be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Can you imagine what he said? The righteousness of God. In other words, when you make Jesus Lord of your life, you stand before God, not only today, but on judgment day, as if you had never, ever sinned. Everybody understand that? You need to give the Lord another praise offering this morning. Come on. Come on. You need to thank him. That's it. You stand before God and, and all your sins are forgiven. All your sins. All of them. No questions asked. Nothing. So rebirth changes our spirit. But John never mentions that. Let's go back again to 3 John verse 2. He said, Beloved, I, I pray that you will what? That you prosper in all things. And be in health just as uh, your soul prospers. He mentions only the soul. Why don't he mention the spirit? Because he's talking to believers. It's understood that you already took care of, the, of your spirit. You're born again. Now, for you as a believer, your main emphasis, your main focus is your soul. Does everybody understand that? Rebirth changes your spirit. Uh, but not your mind or your physical body. Your soul is not changed when you give your life to God. This is why we have Christians that have all kinds of problems in their life because that was not saved. That's your responsibility. You have to take care of the soul and your body. Does everybody understand that? So when the, the spirit uh, is dealt with, when you accept Jesus, it's recreated instantly. Instantly, but our soul must, must be changed through an ongoing process. Everybody understand that? Your soul and your body is not instantly changed. It's an ongoing process. Say that with me. It's an ongoing process. If you don't take care of that, we will not be able to distinguish you from a person in the world. And you're in danger, not here, but also in the future. So the soul is your responsibility, my responsibility, in, my, in our body. That's why Romans 12, 2, we'll get to that in a few moments, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, right? So uh, what does it take, if it's not instant, what does it take to change that area of our life or that area of our being, which is our soul? Well, it's going to take determination. It's going to take discipline. You said, I don't like determination or discipline. Well, you're not going to make it. You have to discipline yourself. You have to discipline yourself. You have to have determination. And you have to uh, have a desire to bring it to pass in your life. Does everybody understand that? We call that renewing 
your mind. You have to, the only way you're going to renew your mind is that you be determined that you discipline your life. All right? So if we want to walk with God and fulfill our destiny, we must deal with the whole man and go beyond the work of salvation. We must change our soul and to some degree our bodies too. So let's go to these three scriptures. Uh, Third John, uh, we're, we just saw that, but we're going to, let me just speak on that just a few moments. Third John, verse uh, 1, verse 2, uh, once again, uh, beloved, I pray that you what? Prosper in all things and, and be in health even as or just as your soul prospers, all right? So the key to this passage is the soul. And what is a soul made up of? Your soul is this. Listen real carefully because that's our responsibility. Your soul is your thinking. It's your thinking processes. We have to change our thinking. Does everybody understand that? So if we're uh, talking wrong, it's because our thinking is wrong. And number two, the, the, uh, uh, the area that makes up your soul is your emotions, uh, your feelings. We're, we were made to have feelings and to have emotions. But how, how many of you have seen people that cannot control their emotions or their feelings? They're, uh, they're a wreck, right? They're the drama queen or the drama king, right? Uh, they're, they have a lot of emotions. That has to be brought into control if we're going to prosper. You cannot be a loose cannon. And number three, your will is very important. And your will is the deciding and choosing processes of your life. How many of you know that if your mind is not renewed, you will not decide and choose correctly? You will not. This is why a lot of Christians, not you, but a lot of Christians do, many Christians uh, make uh, stupid mistakes. And, and they make uh, wrong decisions. Wrong decisions. They cost them money. They lose, uh, they lose their family. They put, it puts them in, uh, in uh, uh, terrible predicaments. It's because their, mind, their soul is not renewed. When your soul is renewed, then you're going to take care of your thinking, uh, your emotions, and you will take care of that area, which is very important. You will uh, be able to decide and choose correctly. Look what Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19 and 20 says. He says, uh, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, and that you may cling to him, for he is your life and the length of your days, and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore, uh, swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give them. So these three make up your soul. And control to a great degree how you will experience life. Those three. You're thinking. Have you ever met Christians with wrong thinking? They thought God was going to do that for them. God's not going to do that for you. That's your responsibility. Right? You will prosper and live in health even as your soul prospers or you will struggle. And be weak even as your soul is weak. So we have to have a strong soul. Now that we're believers, 
Our main focus and info is that soul part. That's the most important subject for the Christian. The most important emphasis in the Christian life is your soul so that you can prosper. Everything hinges on the, the, on the soul part for the believer. Does everybody understand that? So let's go to second scripture that we have to explain. Romans chapter 12. Verse 1 and 2, and we'll read this in the New Living Translation. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. He's talking to believers now. A sinner can't do this. It's understood that you got saved. I plead with you to give your bodies to God because all he has, for all He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Did you catch that? When you change your thinking, you will change uh, uh, the way you're going to live. And you will know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. But if you don't change the way you think, you'll never see that. So, number one, in that verse, he says, be not conformed. Why should we not, why should we not be conformed to the world? Why should we as believers not copy the world? Hmm? Why should we not imitate the world? Because the cosmos, the system, I'm not talking about the creation of God, I'm talking about the system of this world. Guess who's in charge of that? The devil. The devil's in charge of the world system. You say, why is it so chaotic in the world? Why is all the nations so messed up? Why is everybody so messed up? Guess who's running the show? Huh? It's the devil. He's the God with little g. He's the God of this world. And if he's running the thing, we can't uh, 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 imitate the world. The Bible says that we're in the world, but we're not of the world. That's right. Come on, let's give the Lord. That's right. We're in the world, but we're not in the world. So God has given us as believers the principles in his manual so that we could maneuver. And even though we're in the world, we're not of the world, and we're in this world, and using the principles of God, you'll prosper. In spite of what's in the world, with all the chaos and all the junk and all the perversion and people in debt, you'll be out of debt, you'll be blessed, you, uh, you'll have a good family while other homes fail, your home will not fail. Can you say amen? That's right. So... Uh, we, we are not to be conformed to this world because he's running the show. The devil's running the show. The whole world system is under his control. So, and his objective is what? Remember what Jesus said? The, the uh, thief has come not but to what? John 10.10. 10. Steal, kill, and to destroy so if that's his objective, we don't, we don't want nothing to do with that. Because he's not coming for 10% of your life. He's coming for 100. 
He's not saying, well, I'm going to take 10% of your money. No, or one, 10% of your joy. No, he's coming for everything. He's coming for 100%. That's his objective. He don't love anybody. He says, I'm running this thing, and if you're part of my world system, then I'm going to steal everything from you. I'm going to kill everything, and I'm going to destroy everything. So we as believers, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. Right? And we can function and uh, have total success. And I can tell you that in my own life. As soon as I got a hold of this, I just started flying. And I've uh, been flying for 50 years. Praise God. And I'll continue to fly until I'm out of here. Right? So... Uh, then he says, be transformed, and being transformed, that verse, uh, chapter 12, be transformed, is the word in Greek, uh, which is met, uh, met, uh, metu, uh, me, metamorpho, metamorpho, that's the Greek word, metamorpho. We get our word metamorphosis, which is a complete change. Remember the worm becoming the butterfly? It has to become a complete change in our life. And how do we do that? By renewing our minds, we become the transformed people. If you don't change your way of thinking, then you'll never fly. You'll be crawling in this world, all right? But the Christian can be completely transformed by the renewing of his mind. So 2 Corinthians, let's go to that. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And he says, for though we walk in the flesh, here's the last, uh, last scripture I'm going to share with you. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Talking to believers now. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of what? Strongholds. Casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. But, you know, some Christians have read this scripture. They said a stronghold uh, is demon activity. It could be. But apart from demon activity, uh, a stronghold are your thoughts and attitudes that have such a grip on your mind that though you don't want to think that way, you think that way. That's what a stronghold is. And when a person is consumed with negative world thinking uh, over a period of time, it becomes a stronghold in your life. And things like fear, anger, poverty, uh, low self-esteem, pride, selfishness, lust, uh, control many Christians. It's a stronghold already. You don't want to think that way, but you do. It's a stronghold. But the truth is, this morning, here's the good news. You can stop that process. Because he tells us there that we cast down, what? Arguments. And every high thing, he gives us the power to cast them down and renew our minds. So, though we have prayed for people, a lot of people don't change until they're transformed by the renewing of their mind. Does everybody understand that? So, uh, is, is it possible? Listen to me, I'm just about through. Is it possible to attend church, uh, read your Bible and pray, and never renew your mind? Is that possible? It is. How many people go to church? How many people read their Bible? And there are some people even pray, but their mind is not renewed. In order for our soul to change, it's going to take effort on you. You have to become a totally, completely different person. It takes effort, determination, and discipline 
to renew your mind. It's going to take labor to change the way you think. In other words, there must take place an exchange in your life. You must exchange your thoughts. Some of you this morning, perhaps, you have strongholds. Most people are already programmed by the time they're 15. And then you just live out that program for the rest of your life. You have a stronghold that you have accepted by thinking that way, entertaining a thought, and then it became part of your life. And the only way to break that is to uh, be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. And the only way to do that is to have an exchange, a total exchange in your life. You must exchange, exchange those thoughts for the thoughts of God. Does everybody understand that? So uh, there must be uh, effort and labor. We must uh, become aware of what we're thinking and become aware of uh, how God thinks on how he wants us to think and begin to focus our thoughts on God's thoughts. Can you say amen? This is why in Joshua, and I'll finish with this, Joshua chapter 1, verse 7 and 8, he says, Only be strong and be very courageous, uh, that you may observe to do all according to the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from the, uh, to the right or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This law, the book, shall not depart out of your mouth. Wow. Shall not depart where? From out of your mouth. But you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. Then, for then, and only then, you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. This is what God told Joshua in the Old Testament. He said, Joshua, the only way you're going to make it now, you're, you're, you're going to fill some big shoes now. Moses, the greatest man of the Old Testament, you're going to fill his shoes. But let me give you uh, how you can have success. Don't let the word depart out of your mouth. Meditate on the word day and night. Now, if you as a Christian don't want to put effort into this and discipline your life, you will not live the kind of life that God has for you. You will live a mediocre life. And this is why a lot of Christians live a mediocre life. They're plagued by strongholds, strongholds of poverty, strongholds of perversion and different things. But if you'll get your mind renewed, you'll have a completely different life. Can you say amen? So we have to focus on God's thoughts. Did everybody get that this morning? Is that the most important thing for us as believers? Yes, it is. But let's make sure this morning, let's make sure that we're ready because there is a judgment day coming. And we're all guilty without Jesus. We're guilty. I'm guilty had it not been for Jesus. Totally guilty. If we, uh, how many of you heard people say, I'm a moral person. He, I'm very moral. I don't do any wrong to anybody. That person's not uh, moral. He, he's already sinned one sin. If he, if he in his life sinned one sin, uh, he's guilty before God. So we need Jesus. We need to accept him as our Lord and Savior. Can you imagine how wonderful this is for our life? One of the stanzas of the music this morning was uh, what Jesus, everything that Jesus has done for us. Look what he did. 
Now we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Wow, forgiven. Not only forgiven, but made a new creation. Uh, we can go to judgment day and walk out of there and say, you're innocent. You're free. Jesus shed his blood. It was his life for your life. And you accepted him, you can walk out of this court. You're a free man. You can live for all eternity. Can you imagine uh, how unfortunate millions of people are going to be uh, when they stand on that day? Say, Father, I went to church. He says, yeah, but you never accepted my son. I'm sorry. That's not good enough. I'm a just God. Uh, the Bible says in Ezekiel 18.20, the soul that sins, listen, the soul that sins shall die. That's what God says, the soul that sins. So if you obey all the laws, you break one. You're guilty of all of them. And we're guilty. And we stand before God this morning. We're guilty. We are guilty. And we deserve hell. But Jesus took our place. And we're free this morning. If you're not free, you're going to be. Praise God. Let's stand up, please. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? If you have not accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, I want to pray for you. Just uh, move quickly out of your seat and come up here to the front so we can pray. If you have never accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, this is your time. I wouldn't wait. I wouldn't wait till tomorrow. We have no guarantee that you'll be alive tomorrow. Quickly, if you have never accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, you can do it right now. If not, let's everybody lift our right hand. Let's pray this prayer this morning. My Heavenly Father, that art in heaven, holy is your name. According to your word, if I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart, that Jesus is Lord, and that you raised him from the dead, I shall be saved. Father, forgive me for all my sins. I'm sorry, but I accept you. I accept Jesus as my sacrifice. His blood for my blood. His life for my life. He has received the guilt so that I could walk away free. Thank you, Father. Thank you. You made me free. You made me free. I'm free this morning. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your salvation. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Because all of you have said this morning you're a believer, raise your right hand and commit yourself to God and commit yourself that you're going to renew and work on your soul, your thinking. That part of you that uh, decides and chooses correctly or chooses 
and decides incorrectly. But you're going to work on that part of your life. You're going to renew your, uh, your, your soul. How do we do that, Pastor? You're going you're gonna to put some effort. You're going to renew your mind. How do we do that? By uh, an exchange. You're going to get that word in you. You're going to meditate in the word day and night. You're going to get that word in you until you are completely renewed in your mind. And by doing so, you will experience the good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. Father, this morning, by the authority of the name of Jesus, I take authority over all strongholds this morning. Those thoughts that you have entertained, the thoughts that you said, I don't want to think that way, Pastor, but I think that way. It's a stronghold. And that has to change if you're going to receive God's best. And if there's any demon activity as part of that stronghold, because if you continue thinking a certain way, you'll open the door to the devil in your life. That has to be broken. You would not allow him to come in our life. Because he has one objective, to steal, kill, and to destroy. This morning, Father, we take authority over every demonic power. And we command it to be broken over every life and over your family. And over every of your life. It's broken. And you are free this morning. In the name of Jesus. Amen.